Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanera Madani, and today we have Priya Chandrasekhar on set here today, who is a medical communications expert. So before you're like, why do we have a medical communications expert here? I will tell you, I have been working with Priya for the last couple of years now. She's been part of the most amazing cohorts for CO School. I've seen her business scale and grow, and it makes me so happy when I get to bring our women to the stage, to the show, because this show is all about learning from women who have made it to the 2% Club. And I have seen Priya's like just growth firsthand. And she is one of just the most brilliant strategists that I've met. And she is literally somebody that I seek advice from. And one of her special skill sets is really on strategy and go-to-market strategy. So we're like, what is go-to-market strategy? And why is why like today's episode is important is because it doesn't matter what stage of business you're in. When we start our companies, we create this whole business plan and we're like, here's who our ideal customer is going to be. Here's our value proposition. Here's what makes us different. And then we write it all down. We put it all together and then we like make this pretty plan and then we shove it in the drawer after it's like completed and then we don't revisit it at all and then it's like six months later markets are changing competitors are changing you've changed right your business has changed and we don't revisit it it's like another year goes by another year goes by and you think you're adjusting but you're not actually taking the time to work on your business to make sure that you're value proposition, your go-to-market strategy, and these things are actually aligned with where you are in your business today. And so Priya actually creates these communication strategies for specifically her field of expertise is in medical, in the medical field. So she does medical device companies, pharmaceuticals, biotech. She's worked with you know, all kinds of like major agencies that do what they call market access for these drugs and FDA clearance and all this fancy healthcare stuff, (laughs) which we're not going to talk about today. So we're not talking about healthcare today, but she helps these pharmaceutical companies when they bring a new drug to market or a new product to market, how they actually go through, how they get to market, how they define the value proposition. So she does this for these companies. So she's been doing that for over a decade. That is what she gets paid to do. And I met her a couple of years ago, and then last year at the CEO School Retreat, um, we were working on her business. I'll share a little story here before I bring her up to the stage. Um, we were working on her business, and she's a consulting agency. She charges like this hourly structure for her company. And, you know, I was challenging her a bit, and I said, Priya, like you've had so much success here. I think it's time that you can use these, like what you're doing to branch out to other segments, to other 
verticals, and even think about your product strategy in a little bit more of a scalable way. Because she kind of hit this, like she's at the top and she's kind of hit this, this plateau kept coming up. And she was pushing back um, during the during the retreat time of like, no, I think like, you know, we're just, this is what it is. My industry is different. And then she gets back on the, she gets on the plane ride and then she's like texting me. She's like, oh my God, I just like redid my entire, my entire product strategy and it worked. And this year has just been like such a phenomenal growth year for Priya. And she's branched out to other industries. And now she's doing, you know, market access and strategy to different verticals. She's actually now mentoring. She's like on the advisory board of the most unbelievable female startups as well, helping guide them on brand strategy, value strategy, pricing strategy, and go-to-market strategy. And so um, when we were together last time in person, I said before, when you're coming down for the next retreat, I please, 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 please come to the studio. I've got to have you in person and you've got to one, teach a masterclass on like value proposition strategy. And then two, we've got to share it with all of our CEO school audience. So she's graciously said yes. And I'm so excited today <laughs> to welcome Priya Chandrasekhar, one of our alumni at CEO school, part of the 2% club at CEO school here to help all of you with pricing and go-to-market strategy. Priya, welcome to CEO School. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I've been listening to your podcasts, been to a couple of retreats, been in your mastermind. So I'm very much a CEO School student. And you really are. You really are. You really are. And it's so incredible. And we so we just closed up, but we just did this like amazing masterclass, which I cannot wait for you to learn from. We're not going to get into like too much of like the how, but we'll get into the to the why. The masterclass is for all of our members at CEO School. So if you're part of any of our programs at CEO School, um, you get access to these amazing classes that we do with amazing experts with like worksheets, the whole like everything. So entire Priya strategy that she charges, you know, you know, thousands of dollars of consulting like strategy for it's just for us. Like she's literally just gave us access to all of it. But I'm so excited for you guys. We're going to pick, we're definitely going to pick her brain. You're going to get a lot out of today's episode. But before we do, Priya, can you take us a little bit back about your background? How did you start? Like, how did you become a CEO? Tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> if you had told me that when I was, you know, I would say even when I was in college, that this is what I'd be doing, I would have been like, you are out of your mind. You're talking about someone else. That's all of us, girl. Yeah. That's all of us as entrepreneurs. I had no idea. Um, so I started down this path of expecting that I was going to go to med school. I thought that I was going to be a doctor. I remember, you know, when we were on a trip. Like, I don't – I think it might have been we were going to India or something. I don't remember what it was. But I was like – I was a voracious reader. I just – I read a lot of books. And – I didn't have anything to read, so I found this, like, physiology textbook, and I just started reading it. This is when I was, like, I was really, I think I was, like, eight or nine, maybe I was ten. Um, I just, I don't know. I was such a big science nerd. Um, I think I think it goes back to when, you know, when I was born in India, but when we came to this country, um, my dad was doing his PhD, and my mom worked in a lab at the, at the University of Pittsburgh, and I used to just, like, go and hang out with them in the lab. Um, and so I think little just Priya, being... A little <laughs> biologist, like... 
Just like, that's what I did. I mean, I I used to be like, oh, I'm, you know, like their colleagues would like go and take me to like see like some of the animals they were working on or like whatever, like the slides that they were looking at. Like it just, that was just my life. And I think that, um, and I, I mean, I don't, so funny. I loved my it. life was on like watching my parents work yeah. too. So like that's so that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, so my thought process was I like science and so that's I assume that that's what you you should you be a doctor if you like science. Um and so I kind of progressed along that path and um I was in college and I didn't know that this entire world of like medcoms exists medical communications exists and I totally fell into it I think I was my work study ran out um and so I applied for a job as a lab tech and it ended up actually being a scientific writer position and I ended up kind of progressing along that path and that became my career um and so I like I was in this like weird situation because I worked all through college. So when I graduated, I wasn't really entry level, but I also wasn't like experienced in theory. So I ended up getting these like consulting type opportunities at different pharma companies. Um, and so I, I was a consultant um, and I worked with global teams. I did like scientific communications for them. Um, and I but I was traveling. And, and I wanted to stop traveling. So I went from the frying pan into the fire and I got a job at um, an agency. And it happened to be a market access agency. I'd never done anything with market access. Um, and it was kind of the so what of the science, right? Because you have all of this science, but like how does that science function in the real world is what what it's all about right and so I was like oh this makes perfect sense like it's how like what is the governmental impact what is the societal impact what's the health economics like all that stuff and I was it's really the business of the science um and so I loved it um but the approach was always very marketing heavy and I think that there's there was a more strategic way to to approach it and I kept trying to change things from within these organizations because by that time I had reached like leadership roles um didn't really work because it was too different from how things are normally done and I was like okay I'm gonna do it on my own I thought that I was just gonna be an independent consultant um I think that lasted all of like six months um because the projects and responsibilities were just bigger and bigger and I was like okay I think I need to Scale rethink up, this i need to scale hire a team all the things and isn't it funny like how as women we sometimes we like we just limit ourselves like i don't understand that like it is part of something in our brain dna i hope scientists please call your scientists <laughs> study our brains on why we think like it's not possible for us right and we even before we get started in business we get started and we're like well i'm just gonna do this for this i'm just gonna do this for this and we're not even thinking about these like giant, I forget giant. We're not even thinking about having a team or scaling up. Yeah. Like we've limited ourselves and we're like, oh, now we're here and now it's growing. Now, now the work is piling up. Oh, now we need a team. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's like we don't plan for it mm -hmm. to begin with. And it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. And that's why it's so important because you can't be what you can't see. And that's why it's so important that we have women like Priya. We have women, you know, that are here on this show 
every single week here inside of CEO school at these masterclasses doing these things so that we can all see like that version that could like that needs to be at every point the example of entrepreneurship because we just look at entrepreneurship in one singular lens which is stale pale and male and done exactly the same way and that narrative has to change for us as women because I'm so over it and I wish I wish I'm getting really like passionate about this because (laughs) I wish when I was in that I saw it sooner yeah. And I knew that like, I think in the beginning, when, even when I got started, it was the same thing of like, oh, I'm just going to be, I fell into it because I was working for a payments yeah. company. I fell into it. And then I was like, oh, I just want to be an agent or I just want to do this. And I just want to do that. And I wish I would have had it backwards to say, I'm going to go do this. And yeah. this is my vision. And I learned it when I started seeing other people, but it was so hard for me to apply without seeing it. So seeing like what you, you, you seeing is everything because yeah. you really can't be what you can't see. And so just wanted to pause you in that moment right there, Priya, of so you started thinking you're like, I'm just going to be an independent consultant. Yeah. Of course, that didn't happen because yeah. you're brilliant. <laughs> and so there, of course, it's going to happen because you're brilliant and you're you're an expert. Um, and of course, you're, you scaled. Yeah. And it's funny because I had seen women who were in leadership roles as employees at companies. Mm. And they and, – and it's it's different. Like it, it's it's a different like, you know, being in a leadership role and at, it's you know it there you know their leadership still is leadership still, still all of that yeah. stuff is true. It's very different to completely start something from scratch. And take it it's, home. Yeah, totally different experience. Yeah. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different approach. Like it's a different commitment. It's a different approach to life. It's you know, all the things. And I just you know, it. I think I I was I had wrapped my head around the independent consultant approach, but then like, you know, for the longest time we called ourselves a freelance team. Like I didn't even want to like fully call myself an agency. Like I I feel like I just was so I was almost like I spent the first couple of years like almost fighting the growth. Yes, why? I don't know why. I don't why? know. I don't know. We don't have the answers. Obviously, it's like a rhetorical question. No, it here, is. Yeah. Right. But like, it's so frustrating. But this is a story for all of us, right? So I hope this is, you're feeling it. I'm feeling it. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you're like, that's not the case because you are yeah. so brilliant and so successful. So then you were at this freelance team, but you were actually, <laughs> you're a full on friggin' agency. We were doing all the things. And, you know, I think now how I've reframed that is we were white labeling our services. Through other agencies. So we were kind of had these B2B partnerships with other agencies. And honestly, I was just intimidated. I was intimidated. Like, I, I feel like I didn't have the full belief in our own value. Like, I think, you know, I had demonstrated it in as an uh, as an employee, but then, you know, to to be, to own it, I think I was just nervous about it, even though I had done it. But I just – It's I was, that imposter syndrome It again. is. Yes. It is. It's the worst. Um, and I mean, to be fair, like I started the company and then two weeks later found out I was pregnant with twins. With twins. So like, you know, there's there are a few things there. <laughs> but – So success happened. It's been a decade. I mean, you have done – you've brought so many different companies to market um, you are like PFG Medcom is one of the top consulting companies for, you know, pharmaceutical strategy. And now what's been really exciting is that you're, you've kind of scaled to the top at your game in your, in your industry, in your vertical. 
And you are now branching out to other verticals to do the same communication strategy, value proposition strategy um, for, you know, for startups and, you know, still slightly to do with like medical companies, but still now it's like being branched out and you're scaling just at this like next level. Congratulations. (laughs) I mean, another like seven figure year this year is about to happen for her. She's part of our seven figure mastermind. And we're like, just so excited. I know like a big contract's coming in specifically this week and you already have like the next contracts for like next year. Like Priya is like, is one of the greatest CEOs that I know. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you to learn from her. Speaking of value, because that's what today's episode is about. So Priya's about us. She's a mom, um, a Marvel junkie, uh, you know, a scientist and just all the, all the things. Um, I mean, she's literally done like Harvard's like health innovation camps. Like she's, she's brilliant. Um, and she also advises, like you advise startups. She sits on like a ton of like advisory, uh, advisory boards for companies as well. And why I wanted to bring her here today was specifically on this workshop that she leads on value proposition and positioning. And this is what she does for these pharmaceutical brands. And then we just did this amazing masterclass for all of the women at CO School. Uh, and you have like you have to go watch this. It's all part of our membership. And so ever, all the links are in the show notes. If you're not part of it, like I give you a reason every single week to be part of it. Like stop waiting, get in the room. Um, and we literally broke down the difference on like how we need to be thinking about, you know, our unique value proposition. And it's not the stuff that like, it's not level one stuff. I mean, this is like next level things on, you know, once we've understood what our product company service is or our ideal customer is, this is like the 2.0 of understanding who our stakeholders are, the 2.0 on their framework on pricing strategy, the 2.0 framework on like our value ladder. And so one of the things on value that really struck out for me is, is the why behind your value, because value is, you know, like you said, it's all about, you know, I'll, I'll let you say it. It's not about (laughs) volume. So what is value really about? Yeah. So I have had this conversation with so many people, especially within the CEO school network. It's, you know, when you're thinking about your product offering and you're thinking about your pricing and you're thinking about all these different pieces, volume, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, guilty of doing this before, um, you know, being in a service-based company, um, we were charging for the volume of hours that we were spending rather than the value that the customer was getting. Mm. And so that's important because if something takes me 10 hours to do, right? It takes our company, let's make easy numbers, right? 10 hours to do. But it is increasing the company's revenue, the client's revenue by, you know, X, by X, 10X, right? What you should be charging on is what is the value that the company is getting, not those 10 hours. That not the volume. So pricing, in conclusion, is not – pricing is not based on volume. Pricing is based on value. And one of the examples, right, Priya, that we were talking about is the water bottle, right? So when we have the water bottle and we have the water bottle, you know, at Costco and it's, you know, the pricing for that value at Costco, it's 50 cents because you get a case of it, you got to take it home, yeah. you got to do whatever, it's for later. That value of that 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 water bottle is 50 cents. 
that same water bottle when you have it at the checkout of the grocery store at CVS or at your, you need it in that moment, that that water bottle is like $2.29 for that same water bottle. That's like 50 cents in, in you know, at, at a different value, yep. right? Still same water bottle, right? Then that same water bottle at like a concert or an event or, you know, at a, you know, at a game is $5 or $6 for that same water bottle at that venue. But that pricing of that water bottle is different based on the location, based on the benefit to the customer at that given moment. So be the water bottle at the airport. That's who we want to be, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also, you know, one piece is, and, and the other thing that we talked about in the masterclass is, you know, it's not just about being better. It's about being different. Ooh, and yes. it's also communicating that to the customer and and why should your customer choose you? Yes, the unique value proposition work that we did in that masterclass. So let's let's let is is so important. I'd love to kind of share high level, right? So once everyone's just it's all a water bottle, right? So it's all the same water bottles. How do we define what's different, right? So it's not about being better. It's not like okay, this water is better. It's really about being different and having that unique value proposition. So Priya, could you give us a little high level on like why this is important? How do you define that unique value proposition and like where this can apply to? It doesn't matter what stage of business you're in. Yeah, it it really doesn't make a difference. And I think, um, you know, Sunira is right. Like going through going through this this value proposition exercise is so important yearly. Um, you know, I I was guilty of doing the same thing where we were kind of rinse and repeat the same thing over and over again. And uh, until last year, kind of going through that big exercise of reworking everything, um, you know, it just, it made such a big difference because it was really talking about the value that we were providing to the customer. Before, um, I think, you know, our customers would look at, you know, to let me backtrack a little bit. What I, you know, the way that I would talk about our services, I would kind of say things like, well, you're using all these different kind of agencies to do X, Y, Z. Um, whereas we'll give you a more strategic perspective and we'll help you with kind of, but then people were saying, oh, but we like those silos. That's just how we operate. And that's not, not true. It's just because that they've, they've done things a certain way doesn't mean that that's the way to do it. It's just that we were not able to communicate our value effectively because our value proposition was a mess. When we re, you know, when we reorganized our product set, reorganized our value proposition, and really were able to communicate how we were going to help that customer get from where they were at to where they need to be, and help them get their brands to where they need to be, and help them launch, help them do all these different things, it made such a big difference to how they responded to us. So the components of the value proposition, which again, I'm going to refer you back to that masterclass because it goes into way more detail, but the components components, the major components of your value proposition is really what's the unmet need for the customer? Mm-hmm. What are, you know, what's the burden of that? It's not just that they're, it's not just I'm thirsty, right? Like we're all, we're, you know, we're underhydrated humans in general. Like most people don't drink enough water, but just because I'm, you know, I should be drinking water and I am a little bit thirsty doesn't mean that I'm going to go get the water. Or the $10 exactly. bottle of water, right? I'm not going to get it. Yeah. But 
it's, you know, but what's the impact of that thirst? And, you know, um, it's, it's interesting. Some people are going to be motivated by, oh, you know, your body is 70% water and you should be drinking or whatever. You should be doing this. Some people are going to be motivated by, hey, you're not going to get any water when you get into that airplane. It's the scarcity. For, it like, really that's, depends. That's, that's it's the true. airport. It's like you don't have access. Yeah, You exactly. need to get access. And then there's going to be no access if, like, you don't know, like, it's going to take you an hour to board. Like, what are you going to do? So, like, you don't want to get caught in – you need that safety net. You need it. Yeah. And so that's the value proposition. It's like you're not going to have it. It's scarcity. You're not going to have it. If you think about a highway, right, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, New Jersey, New Jersey Turnpike, it – at every rest area, it says X number of miles to the next rest area. Okay. And that's another example of like, well, you're not going to be able to get, like, you're, you have to stop here. You're not going to have a bathroom for the next like 100 miles, you know, like. Transparency. <laughs> In there, that's your value proposition. They're like, hey, yeah. this is it. You, you better go here or you're, you're out of luck. Unmet need. Yeah, you're yes. out of luck. That's the unmet need. And the impact of the unmet need. Like you're, you're not going to be able to go to the bathroom for the next 100, 100 miles, buddy. <laughs> so how this applies to business and like something that I want all of you to think about. So specifically we talked about understanding like within the value proposition framework, um, you know, and we like we had a bunch of worksheets and that they're all like, you know, like specifically on – how can you define your value proposition that's different based on the unmet needs of the customer and what makes your um, products different? So what are the benefits that are not just, it's just the benefit, but what are what makes it different? And one of the things that we talked about specifically, and I shared an example of, um, you know, I learned the strategy from, you know, uh, at a CEO school retreat from another member and uh, Sophia and her, like, She's like, oh, I use a strategy for like every time. And this can apply for like your go-to-market strategy. Every year we do this for like our company. But even when you're just sending an email campaign or on your social or on whatever, you always have to think about your value proposition and what needs you are fulfilling for that end customer. So we talked about stakeholders, who the stakeholders are, who the influence are, influencer, uh, who are the influencers for the decision make, who are the decision makers. So like we went through all the segmentation within the masterclass for like, how do you define the value pyramid? But specifically how this can apply immediately to all of you was this FML principles. Even when you're sending out an email, you know your ideal customer, you know the segment, you know who you're targeting, but what is that benefit from an FML perspective? So F stands for financial, M stands for mindset, and L stands for lifestyle, right? If you can you can not just tap into like, here's a benefit, it'll save you time, or here's a scarcity piece, or here's like, how can you tap into it from an FML, financial perspective, a mindset perspective, and a lifestyle perspective? So I gave the example of CO school, right? And the financial, like whenever we send an email or whatever, we talk about the money element. This is, you're going to get more revenue. So yes, invest in coming into the platform and mm-hmm. becoming members or coming to a retreat and doing whatever, but you will 10X that investment because you will grow that freedom of dollar, right? That's the financial gain, right? Then you have the mindset, which I think a lot of people miss in talking about in the value proposition. Yeah. So it's literally that feeling of going from overwhelmed to organized, right? Working in your business to getting an opportunity to working on your business, right? That mindset of going from founder to CEO, from feeling, you know, that imposter syndrome to feeling confident, right? That's still a mindset benefit. Yeah. And then the lifestyle benefit, right? So we always try to incorporate the L, which is the lifestyle component, right? So what is that lifestyle component? You know, you're able to have more time with your family, 
right? You're able to take Fridays off so that you can spend the day like in your creative zone or or traveling. Like what does that look like for you? You can have a 20-hour work week, right? Whatever the lifestyle element of it. So that's like part of how you can take that unique value proposition of like, you know, what you do, why you do it better, yep. but then take it a step further to apply these principles so that the, that messaging lands directly with your end decision maker, right? Not just the ICP or not just the ICA, which is like the ideal client profile. So we went into like such great conversation and like yeah. it's like 2.0 of the ICP work on understanding all of like who we're talking to and then how we talk to them to really define what makes you unique. And guess what? If we feel, if we do that every single time on a proposal, if we do that when we're sending it an email, right? When we're, we're sending um, our messaging on our site, we will actually not only attract exactly what we're trying to attract, we will actually close that end client and customer. Yeah, that's, and you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I was just thinking about this when you mentioned the FML. Um, it's, it, that lifestyle component could also be, I mean, I, I've, I know when I would have heard that a year ago, a year ago, Priya would have said, oh, but we are a B2B company. It's not going to be relevant uh, for us because the, the the way that these large companies make decisions is different. But uh, like, and I know that there are some people who are going to be like me who are like, oh, well, that's not relevant because we're not like you're, you're talking about CEO school. Like it's, you know, it's an individual, but don't forget service based, like people who are where I was a year ago, don't forget that there is an individual at the end of that. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it might be something as simple as, you know, within an email and I did this just like two weeks ago, where um, I knew that what that individual might be, I mean, they were a gatekeeper. So I did need to get them to, and we talk about gatekeepers, influencers, all those things in the masterclass, but, you know, they were a gatekeeper. So I needed to get them on board. But I was thinking when I wrote that email, I was thinking about our value proposition, but I was also thinking about what their pain point is going to be. But the pain point varies based on what time of the year it is too. Mm. So it's, you know, like it's a dynamic thing. You have your core value proposition, but you also kind of adjust it you tweak it and and you know we talk about we talked about this in the master class it's not a completely different value proposition you're not you're not going to drive yourself crazy trying to do 20 different value proposition it's you have your core value proposition but you tell a slightly different story and you just put a different lens on it you think about like the filters right your instagram filters whatever it is or tiktok i don't really do tiktok but you do the filters it's just applying a different filter Mm -hmm. onto your value proposition and then you have that template you have that framework and then depending on at the end of the day who the stakeholder is that messaging can be adjusted slightly but still with the same value proposition but having that end decision maker influencer stakeholder gatekeeper whoever it is on the other side in mind to get you to the next phase of landing that client or customer. And then lastly, you take that and then you adjust your pricing based on the value, right? And that's that's the magic of when it happens because when you can actually land those things on the benefit ladder, on the value proposition ladder, on the FML and your client's like, yes, 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 value, right? Because you're adding all this value, then you can actually charge your worth. 
Yeah, right, absolutely. right, Pia. So pricing is a is a funny thing. Um, we talked it's about an this art. last year. It's an art, not a science. No, it is. It is. Um, and you know, for me, um, I think that, and I told you this earlier. I cringe when I think back. Oh yeah. To when I think back to what I was charging and how I was charging. Um, it is, it is cringeworthy guys. Let me tell you. And cringing. Hold on. I'm going to pause you right here. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with cringing. I actually really value when we cringe and I'll tell you why we cringe. We only cringe when we look back and we know we're better now. So when you cringe at something from the past, right? And you're like, oh, I cringe because like, oh, my pricing was so bad. Oh, my website was so, oh, I cringe looking at it. Or, oh, my like first podcast was like, oh, I can't even listen to like my first. (laughs) Well, you cringe because you've gotten better right? So let's celebrate cringing because that means I am growing, right? We are growing and we can look back and cringe. So let's celebrate the cringe. Celebrate the cringe. I love it. That's a t-shirt that we need. Celebrate the cringe. (laughs) Um, So I cringe about the pricing, but, um, you know, I think this, I think I could have charged more and it would have been fine. Like, I think I definitely could have done it. But that process of going through and creating those different verticals and creating those product sets and doing that, it almost, you know, and and cleaning up our value story and cleaning up our value proposition, it helped me justify to me that I should be charging and like how I should be charging. And um, it's just, I I really, I challenge anyone who's in a service-based business to see how you can make some of those changes, right? If you're charging hourly, if you're charging, like if that's how you're approaching, there's nothing wrong with it. That's how I used to do it. Um, Try to take that hourly rate out of it and charge. Maybe you start by charging by project or maybe you start by, you know, creating like create some type of a retainer create some like find a way to find that monthly recurring revenue find that there there's opportunities trust me again I've been on a journey (laughs) so I can I can tell you from the other side that there are opportunities to fix that up and clean that up I agree and I also want to add that this also applies to all businesses including (laughs) product-based businesses because I think when you have what's different about your product yeah as well it increases your value. I should specify, it's a no-brainer for product-based businesses. But like, I think the service-based businesses are very resistant because I was. (laughs) We're resistant because pricing is based on fear, right? And as women, we are are like, oh, we're like, we have not even had a seat at any table. So when we put in our value proposition, right, or we put it, we already are discounting ourselves. We are the number one person to discount ourselves. I was CEO for the last 10 years of a very fast, growing company. I've probably put out about, we. when I left, we were at 400 employees. Um, but over the last decade, I've probably had about 700 offer letters go out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, 200 through the years that have changed, maybe 100 probably didn't accept yeah. or whatever it was. Like we've gone through, I have gone through. I use we a lot. I have literally gone through. There was not a single month since I started the company that I've never not hired. Every single month I've added team members across. This is like literally like the thing that's part of my day-to-day is hiring, training, scaling. So the amount of offer letters I've put out in my life, and I will say that men at every stage, it didn't matter when we were early stage startup, whether we had funding or not, whether we had millions of dollars of funding, whatever it was, literally I put out an offer letter. If it's a man on the other side, 
nine out of 10 times I got like, oh, well, you know, here's my counter or here's what I'm looking for. Or I just had like, I just had it like my family. Right. And so I'm scaling on whatever, whatever it was, the man countered. And I will tell you that eight out of the 10 women would blindly accept my offer. Right. And there was always a range. Right. It's not like I'm under, under discounting or under, underpaying, but we had a range of where the salary bands were. Right. And you kind of stay within that salary band. But if I really wanted somebody, there was a stretch that I had. Like you have a stretch point, no matter what, just like any product service company that you want to work with, you have this, you're willing to pay a little more for like the one that you want. Right. And so if you do a good job of what this, like this applies to all of it, right. On your value proposition, or if you're confident enough in your value proposition, then you're confident enough to say, this is what I'm worth. Right. But women would blindly like just, okay, first offer letter, just so grateful for getting that opportunity and accepting the yeah. opportunity. And so we have to make sure that we're thinking about the value. And now this is a conversation that's like, this isn't a new conversation happening, right? No. So I'm so glad this conversation on pay parity has been happening for years, but this also applies to our businesses and the products and services that we offer to price them based on value as well. And since we have been so left out of the conversation for so long, there is that fear of like, man, I just got to the table and like, I just really want to win the customer. And so you discount yourself because you just want to win. And I, I noticed this with startup founders that I mentor, um, you know, I'm supposed to be talking to them about their go-to-market strategy or their, you know, their value communication strategy or something like that. But a good component of the time that I spend with them is around like, hey, look at all this stuff you've done. Look at like you, you think that like they think that they're back here when they're actually like a lot further ahead and they just, they think that they need to do more. They need to have more they need to have whatever. And I was like, Hey, why isn't this in your pitch deck? Why isn't that like, why haven't you like, why, why isn't like you have all this data? How come you're not telling that story? Oh, but I thought like this one was not like, no, no, no. You have way more than you think you do. And that happens. I want to say like nine out of 10 times. Yeah. It's the fear, right? It's that fear of like, we just want to get, we want to get in or we're undercrediting ourselves. Yeah. And so let this be that reminder. Um, and it's not just about saying like, oh, because, you know, Sarah and Priya are here and CEO school says like, this is what we need to do. Do it. That's easy. Let's do that. But I do believe that for me, when I put in the work and I see it, then it clicks for me. Yeah. And so that's why like this exercise of doing your unique value proposition, doing the work on the stakeholders, doing the work on your unique, like what, what you're bringing to the table, the benefits, um, you know, the, the, the unmet need and how you're doing it and doing that level of work then validates yourself. Like at least it, like, I'm like, you know what? Oh shit. I did this work. And I'm like, look at this, look at, look at, ah. We are, yeah. we are, like, we are really great. And I yeah. am really great. And we are worth a lot. And look at the value that we're doing. Yeah. So sometimes, like, these things for us as women are super important to do these workshops, to put in the work. And because it, it's not just about, oh, yeah, I know I want to do it. It it gives us the confidence because when we have it on paper, when I don't know, it's just, I know it's not just me. Yes. But when I have it written down and I see the plan and it's pretty and it's, like, it makes sense, it clicks for me. Organized. Yes. And I love a good right? spreadsheet. Yes. And, and it does. It just clicks in a different way. And it gives us the confidence. Yeah. Right? And it true. gives us the confidence. So do the work. Right? Don't just do it the first time around. And Priya, you've been such an expert, like, for the last couple of years. I'm so excited to see your company grow. Congratulations on Thank all you. the success. I love that you're mentoring startups now. 
um, you know, we can we can all find you inside of the CEO School platform. You're Absolutely. super, super active and like a great mentor for all the women inside of the platform. But where can people also reach out to you and find you and learn about how they can work with you as well? Uh, find me on LinkedIn. You can always shoot me an email. Shoot me a message in the platform too. Um, you know, I'm I'm available. And she's at Lalita Priya, and I'll be linking that also in the show notes. And we'll try to put in some of the – some things from the the masterclass so you guys can take a look. But come join in. Come say hi to Priya. This is exciting stuff. And go focus on, like, the value, right? Be the water bottle at the airport, <laughs> not the one at Costco. I hope today we left you a little inspired and excited. And I know I'm ready to do the work again. Like, every year we do the work. My whole team is here. We're going to do the work again. And it's important to define the different product, you know, your product, your value proposition and adjust it, right? Adjust it based on as you're growing, you deserve it and you're worth it. So I'll see you next, next time at CEO School. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.